moment to get there. So again, we are in Luke chapter 24 this morning, just as we've been. And we're going to be talking to you this morning about an opened mind, an opened mind. You guys may be familiar. You've heard sometimes uh, people will use the language, keep an open mind, keep an open mind. Well, our title this morning is an opened mind. And uh, this requires something that is done externally. When we speak of having an open mind, it's something that we need to do, that we are opening our mind to allow something in. But uh, there's another aspect to it that we're going to be talking about this morning that comes from the Bible, which is an, a mind that is being opened, a mind that is opened and opened by Christ himself. We learn a lot about the scriptures. We learn a lot about the Bible. We do a lot of study. We spend a lot of time preparing, but it's only that uh, that information, that that knowledge, that that truth is able to really make sense when the Lord opens our minds. And we're going to look at that this morning and how it relates to evangelism. Uh, our goal this morning as we're going through our, our sermon here today is I'm going to work to take 30 minutes to complete our sermon. In fact, you'll see a little countdown timer there uh, as we're moving along on the screen. We'll see if I can keep in sync with that this morning for our sermon as we continue in the theme, the Great Commission. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. We thank you for the blessing of your word. Now, Lord, let your word accomplish what it accomplishes in our hearts. And we're grateful, Lord, for what your word will do. We know that in some of us, Lord, it will produce indifference to where it really doesn't matter either way what your word says. We're fine with it or fine without it. For some, it brings about hostility. For others, it brings about confusion. But for some... It brings about life and life more abundantly. For some, it is the joy of their day, the joy of their moments. For some, it is life. For some, they don't know how they would survive without it. However your word works today and whatever hearts and however those hearts may be prepared, may your will be done Lord, we pray for hearts that can receive your word, that can hear it, and that can have fruit that comes as a result of hearing it and understanding it and obeying it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We started on the Great Commission last week, and just to kind of give you some review, we went through Matthew, and we saw in Matthew that Matthew gives his uh, perspective of the Great Commission Luke does as well. They're the synoptic gospels. We learn that we, we need Luke and Matthew together to get the full picture. Both Matthew and Luke together are necessary to see the full picture of the believer's mandated mission. We have a mission as believers. And we talked about how Luke is not the end of the book where he stops in chapter 24. It's really the beginning because what picks up here is now how we will carry the baton. We take the baton from the disciples as Christians and we begin to live as they lived. 
Amen. Everybody got that? That's important. So the rest of this, the details are being filled in. The details of the Great Commission and what actually is happening is happening in our lives. It's what we're doing with this command. We talked about how we can easily get distracted. We can easily get busy doing spiritual things without understanding what the goal is. We can be busy learning and busy teaching and busy in prayer and busy in fellowship and busy in all kinds of good doings and spiritual things. But if it's not ending, if it's not culminating to evangelism, we're missing the whole purpose. Everything we do in Christ is for the sake of evangelism. Think about it. Christ came with a mission, with a plan. He came to seek and save the lost. And that was done by fulfilling what was written about him and proclaiming the truth of who he was and what is necessary to follow him. We're to follow the same model that Jesus has modeled for us. We want to make sure that we don't make the preparation the goal. Preparation is to help us to grow spiritually, to strengthen us, but it's strengthening us for the purpose of our witness, right? So we can't make the preparation the goal. We, we've missed the entire purpose of our growth if there's no true evangelism. We are to come to a place of evangelism if we're growing like we're supposed to grow and we understand the goal is evangelism, we will begin to evangelize those around us even more as we are being evangelized by the process of growth. Have you thought about that? That the more we study, the more we're allowing the word to evangelize us. The more we are evangelized by the word of God, the more we will evangelize others with the word of God. We live holy. There's a reason we live holy. We live holy. We live obedient to God so that our evangelistic efforts are not hindered by hypocrisy. All believers, all are responsible for evangelism. We are to, at minimum, evangelize everyone that God has placed around us. The only reason the Lord is calling us to grow is for the sake of others, is for the mission, for the great commission. We are to evangelize because we are his witnesses. Uh, we are mandated. You are mandated to go and to proclaim what you know. The goal of spiritual growth is evangelism. But today we come to Luke chapter 24, 44 through 45, and we're going to look at it from the thought of an opened mind. Here's some thoughts, just introductory thoughts going into the message for today. We can know who Jesus is, but until our theology, which is how we think about the scriptures, praise God in a couple weeks, February 2nd, we have Dr. Eric Leonard coming on to our Wednesday night Bible study to teach us about the significance of systematic theology, of learning how to properly think about the scriptures. We can know who Jesus is. We can identify him. But until our theology, in other words, how we think about the scriptures, how we think about his plan, how we think about his purpose, until that is correct, Effective evangelism will be very limited. Amen. Y'all with me on that? It'll be very limited until we learn how to think. It's, it's one thing to have read the scriptures. It's one thing to have studied the scriptures. It's a whole nother thing to then know how to think about what's been read and what's been studied. 
That's what theology is. There's good theology and there's bad theology. We're going to make sure that we are learning good theology. So also, it is possible to have information about Jesus, but not be able to connect the information in a way that accurately reveals the truth. We can have all these bits and pieces. In fact, that's normally the process where we come to have bits and pieces. We've read a little bit. We've studied a little bit. We've learned a little bit about how to think about it. We have all these different pieces, sometimes for years in our mind. But we need to learn how to be able to connect them. And the only way that that happens is when Jesus opens a mind. Don't feel bad if you fall into the place of not knowing how to make connections, how to relate this particular uh, thought process from scripture to life or this principle to this or how it makes sense, how it connects from Old Testament to New Testament. Don't feel bad about it. It's the process. In fact, we'll see here soon that the apostles had difficulty seeing what they had learned and read about Jesus properly until he opened their minds. He, they had struggled. They struggled to actually understand what they've been reading in the Old Testament, how it connected with what Jesus was doing now. They struggled with it until Jesus opened their minds. They had bits and pieces. They had facts and information, but they didn't know how to bring it all together until Jesus opened their minds. Read with me in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. In fact, I'm just going to read verse 44 through 45 today for our sake of um, the sermon. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you. While I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus, it is written that the Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. We're all the way at the end of Luke. We're, we're here now. That he, he's been with them for, for three years. But yet, he is making it clear that he still has to open their minds. They've learned a lot. They had learned a lot. They knew things about the Old Testament. They knew things about the Messiah just from their upbringing and the culture that they were in. They'd learned so much, but they still were not able to make the proper connections until he opened their minds. With all they saw, remember all the miracles they had seen? With all they saw, they ran when persecution came, when temptation came. They ran. Their minds had to be opened. Something had to happen to allow them to take all that they had read, all that they had learned, all they had experienced, and connect it together so that the picture painted a true picture of God's plan and His purpose. The connections were necessary. 47 through 49 gives the message, which we'll look at next week, the message of the Great Commission. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. 
and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. When we look at Luke 24, 44, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke while I was still with you. In the time Jesus spent with the disciples during his three years, these are the words. He spoke these words to them. He spoke everything written about him in the law. He told them all about who he was in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. He showed them without going into too much detail. He had to show them this because the disciples were going on a mission. They were also going to have to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews. And they couldn't do it through the New Testament scriptures because the New Testament hadn't yet been written. So then how were they going to do it? Well, they had to use the Old Testament scriptures to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. So he had been teaching them about who he was. He, he brought about this understanding of who he was, not only in the law of Moses, but also among the prophets and also in the Psalms. The Old Testament is significant. We need to understand what's written in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is what confirms the new. Jesus had been telling them things, these kinds of things all along. He had been telling them these kinds of things we'll see over and over. And they struggled to understand these things. They needed a theological overhaul. The, the one main thing that he was telling them that they just couldn't get their minds around was about his crucifixion. They just couldn't understand it. In Luke 9, verse 20, in Luke 9, 20, the word of God says this. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Some of your translations, you are the son of God. We, we talk about this a whole lot. We, this is one of our scriptures we quote. You know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. We look at this as a great statement, but when we put it in the context, we understand that it's not so great what Peter had identified because he had done good in identifying who Christ was, but there was still a struggle that the Bible makes clear to us. Just, just a few verses later, just, just think about it. Look at the difference from 920. Peter makes this statement. Peter answered, the Christ of God. But then verse 22, saying, the Son of Man will suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and be killed on the third day. This message has been made known. But when we move just about 20 verses later, Look at what's revealed here. Peter was able to identify, but, but they struggled to understand certain things. They struggled to understand this, this concept of his crucifixion, this reality of his crucifixion. 20 verses later, he's told them, just like we just looked at, the third day that Jesus must be rejected by the elders and the scribes and the priests. He must be killed and raised on the third day. It has to happen. Luke 9, 44 says, let these words sink into your ears. Do you all see that? Think about the language. When you use words like that, doesn't that imply 
that Jesus had been sharing something with them over and over and over and over and over again? Isn't that the kind of language that you used when you've said something to someone multiple times? Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. This has to happen. I'm going to give myself over. Verse 45. But they did not understand this saying. And it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. When you look at all of the words here, concealed from them, they could not perceive it. They were afraid to ask him. All that is just implying that they just didn't want to accept the reality of what had to happen. They did not want to accept the reality and they had their own picture of what they wanted Jesus to do, who he wanted them to be, or who they wanted him to be. They had their own picture and what Jesus was saying, what was actually being said was going against what they had said in their mind that they wanted to happen. You all see that? As a result of that, it's important for us to understand when we come to the word of God and we bring our own opinions to the point to where we are blinded from what scripture is saying, we become the agents to have the word of God concealed because we choose to lean to our own understanding over what the word of God has said. But Jesus has to open our minds for that process to end. Otherwise, we will always want Jesus to be and do. We will always see what he's calling us to be and do. We will always see it through our own perspective. Jesus must open our minds for us to make all of these connections and to truly see things as they are. Even though Jesus spoke to them with perfect clarity. Perfect clarity about what had to happen. He spoke to them with perfect clarity. The way they wanted him to be kept them from understanding the truth. It's possible for us to so want something to be a certain way that we're blinded from the truth. When we hear the word of God speak to us, we can so want something to be a certain way that we become blinded to the reality of what the truth is actually saying. How do we move beyond this? How did they move beyond this? As we read earlier, Jesus opened their minds. So we must be careful to believe what the scriptures actually say and not what we want them to say. We have to be careful to make sure that we're believing what the scriptures actually say opposed to what we want them to say that brings more comfort to us, at least appears to do so. We have to be careful to make sure that we're believing what the scriptures say, understanding what the scriptures say and not what we want them to say, because the consequence of that is confusion. Luke 18, 31 through 34, still looking at the apostles struggling to understand what had to happen, what Jesus was saying, what he was speaking to them. 
You know, I'll take a side note for just 10 seconds. Uh, there's much debate over uh, the whole principle of God directly speaking to a person. Don't these scriptures that I'm giving to you today, don't they show that even when God is speaking directly face to face right there in front of a person, that the person because of their heart still will not believe, still will not understand? Luke 18, 31 through 34, it says, And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man will by, man by the prophets will be accomplished. Reminding him again, this is what's been written. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day, on the third day, he will rise. But they understand none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. He said it to him again on the third day, but look at the end passage here. They did not grasp what was being said. They didn't understand it. They struggled with this. They struggled to understand. Luke 24, 1 through 4. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed down their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Look at this. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. And they remembered his words. They were very forgetful. Couldn't remember what they needed to remember when they needed to. Verse 9 through 11 says, And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them told them these things to the, told these things to the apostles. Look at verse 11. But these words seem to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Are y'all seeing this? This is a group of people that had had many experiences with Jesus, had learned many things from Jesus, but yet they did not believe. They, they weren't able to connect them. What was needed still, Jesus had to open their minds to all they had learned, all they had read in the Old Testament, all they had experienced. He had to open their minds. Before they could truly evangelize anyone, the Great Commission is about to happen. It's now time. Jesus is going to open their minds because he's sending them out to evangelize. For some of us, we may be in a place where we've learned a lot, experienced a lot. And when we come to the place where we're ready to evangelize, when we understand that that is the goal of what we've been learning, what we will continue to learn, the Lord will open our 
minds. So how did they finally come to understand? You've already known it. The Lord opened their minds. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He opened their minds to learn how to make the connections. He opened their minds to learn the proper interpretation. He helped them to get beyond wrong interpretations. He helped them to get beyond the questions. Well, why did people do this? Or why is it said like this? Or why do people say that this passage in Psalms means this? Why do people say all these different things? Why does this happen? He had to get them past all of that. Haven't you experienced that? I know I have. I, my mind had to be opened to understand the scriptures. I had to be able to make the connections. I had heard so many different things in so many different ways. My mind had to be opened. But it's here. It's when we understand what the goal of the understanding is. Jesus opened their minds because of what they were now about to do. They were about to be his witnesses. They were about to evangelize the nations. How did he open their minds in our last few moments? How? I think we should go to Luke 24, 31 through 35 to see what the scripture says about how their eyes were opened. He opened their eyes to the scriptures, but, but how? I'll read this for you. It's kind of lengthy. Luke 21, 31 through 35, on the road to Emmaus, two disciples walking along together. Jesus decides to join them. Verse 31 says, and their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Do you see that? Do you see the significance of the scriptures? Jesus opened the scriptures. He opened their mind. He opened the scriptures. The scriptures are the power of God to bring about transformation, to open eyes, to open the mind. Verse 33, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were gathered with them together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. They were told what had happened on the road and how he was known in the breaking of bread. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in the prophets that what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And the begin, then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he began, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things that concerned himself. Same thing. Jesus took the scriptures and with these two on the road to Emmaus, their eyes were open. He were open because he explained the scriptures. He began to interpret the scriptures to them so they could understand them properly. So he could understand them correctly. Until you have the right meaning and the right interpretation of the word of God, they're just words on a page. They're just the words like any other book. But when those words come together, with the right interpretation and the right meaning, they will sanctify, change, transform, save, and accomplish the purposes of God. 
That meaning, the true meaning, the right meaning of God's word will never return to him void. I believe it is supernaturally and exegetically done in this opening. Supernaturally because everything that God does is supernatural. But exegetically giving us a model to know that it's the scriptures that are understood correctly that lead to this open mind. The right interpretation of the scriptures, not just reading the Bible, not just studying the Bible, but learning how to properly think about what is read and what is studied. Jesus supernaturally and exegetically, which means explaining the scriptures. And at the right time, he took all they had learned and he opened their minds in a way that they could connect all the pieces properly. We need a proper understanding of what is written in the scriptures. Evangelism cannot begin until the Lord opens a mind. I want to encourage you today that everything you've learned, that everything you've read, that everything you've studied, that everything you've ever experienced or known about Christ when you begin to have a desire and you understand the goal of all of that is for evangelism, Christ will open the mind so that we can begin to get the proper meaning. But we need help with that, don't we? He's given us the gift of teachers, pastors. We're to work along. We're to make sure in all of our getting, we get understanding. We get understanding so that we know how to properly interpret the scriptures. That's why biblical counsel is so significant. You see, most when they think of biblical counseling, they think of it just like they think of secular counseling to work out some issues and problems. That is not what biblical counsel is. Biblical counsel is so that you can learn how to make the connections with scripture so that you're prepared for evangelism. Biblical discipleship, biblical counseling is just simply biblical discipleship. It's not to talk about your problems. It's to talk about learning how to connect the scriptures properly, to come to get the meaning of the scriptures so that you can be his witness, so that you can live a life that is holy, that won't be limited in your evangelistic efforts by hypocrisy. Evangelism cannot begin until the Lord opens a mind. Maybe you'll pray that prayer today. That the Lord would take all that you've learned and experienced and bring you into an environment with a pastor or a leader so that you can now learn how to connect it all together to have a solid foundation so you can fulfill your part of the Great Commission to be his witness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together in fellowship. Thank you for the truth of your word. May it work in and through us in every way. We ask now, Lord, that these words would burn in our heart, that we would not have rest until we are completely focused on the goal of evangelism. Open our minds, Lord that we may understand the proper interpretation and the proper meaning of the scriptures. Let the scriptures evangelize our hearts so then in turn we will evangelize others. 
may it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.